Welcome to the Escaping the Accountant's Trap podcast. It's a podcast to help accountants, CPAs, and bookkeepers escape what we call the accountant's trap. It's where accountants are not getting paid for their value and are forced to work long hours with high demanding clients with little pay. Well, how do you escape the trap? And one way is the topic of today's episode, and that's by discovering how to scale your accounting or bookkeeping practice. To help me with the discussion, I've invited Jeff Prager, the co-founder of the CFO Project. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Adam. Yeah, so I wanted you to come on this episode because you have a lot of experience in scaling practices. You had your own tax practice at one point and you've essentially scaled it. So if you had to do it all over again, what advice would you give to accountants and bookkeepers now who are sort of stuck in this accountant's trap? How, what advice would you give them to actually start scaling or thinking about scaling their practice? Um, that, that's an interesting question. There's a lot of dimensions to that question. The first is, why do you want to scale? What are your goals? What, have you, what, what do you want out of it? And in doing that, you have to think about, number one, how to market it, how to sell your products, and then finally, how to fulfill it. So there's going to be four obstacles in growing your business. Number one, cash flow. And just like any business you're consulting to, it, it follows the same thing. The second one is people. The third is execution. And then the fourth is what strategies are you going to use when? And and I could be a little clearer about that too. There are different levels of growth. One is being a sole practitioner. And then the next one is building your momentum, starting to get from a sole practitioner to the next level. And then the next one after that is how do you really scale it up? And then finally, um, how do you get the growth and value out of your business that you want? All right. So Jeff, you said that there's four levels essentially that a practice owner would go through. And the first is they're a sole proprietor. They're, they're essentially the business themselves. Mm -hmm. What was that? What is the terminology used? Um, just grow, growing solo. Okay. Growing solo. Would you say, and, and, and I know this is a leading question, but would you say that most accounting firms are that in that stage? I think there's a good mix of accounting firms that are trying to grow, but really haven't used the right strategies to grow. Okay. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of sole practitioners and or practitioners who are just kind of winging it by hiring in temporary people at peak times during the year, like tax season or outside bookkeepers or something of that nature. But um, going solo is where you're responsible for the marketing, the sales, and the fulfillment. Okay. And that's what I mean by going solo. Got it. Okay. And so and then what's the last level, the one where you're, you really have scaled the practice? Oh, I call that the breakthrough. Um, okay. The breakthrough is where the practice can run with or without you. Okay. All right. So what would you say is the biggest obstacle from going from a solo to a breakthrough practice? It's not going through the steps or rushing through the steps. Okay. In other words, um, uh, getting 
the SOPs ready, the, the, the um, standard operating procedures ready from phase to phase. So let's say you're in the growing phase and you hire a marketing or a business development person. Have you yourself understood the role? Do you really know what's required? And can you outsource it and or hire an employee to do it properly? And and then if they are, can you document it so that person doesn't be a critical bottleneck in your business? In other words, if they were to leave, your whole business would go back to being a solo practice. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean is getting the depth that you need to go from one stage to another. So, so the first, just to, just to make sure we're clear, the first stage is the, is the solo stage. Yes. The second stage is the growing stage. Right. right. And the difference between the first stage and the second stage from the, the solo to the growing is having SOPs documented that other people can, can Follow. use. Right. Right. That's okay. correct. Now, in the building momentum, you're, you're in a, tra- that's a transition stage. Okay. And w- what's going to happen is you're going to hire somebody to take off something off your plate. Right. And your goal is you're still not totally out of it. You're, you're trying to get rid of it, but you're not out of it. So you're still fulfilling all three roles, marketing, sales, fulfillment, client satisfaction is part of fulfillment in my mind. Okay. So you're fulfilling all those roles. It's just, you're starting the delegation process mm-hmm. and you're, and, and you're learning as you go. And, and that's the problem with each phase. You've got to recognize there's more to learn as you go. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, so in the solo stage, you're essentially doing marketing, sales, and fulfillment. You're doing everything. Yeah. Okay. Then the, then you advance to the next stage where you have some, you have those three areas documented in an SOP. And then you say, essentially you're starting to find people that could fill those, but you yourself, the practice owner is still primarily doing all three. In the growing stage. Yes. I mean, it's still way hands-on. Got it. Okay. But you have, and, and but, it's but almost you're... like acting by yourself because you're mentoring the whatever role you don't want to do. It could be sales, it could be lead generation or fulfillment. You still have your hands deeply involved in it. Do you have a recommendation to listeners about which of those three roles, sales, marketing, or fulfillment, they should get rid of? They should delegate first? Well, if we're talking about typical accountants, most of us hate marketing. And we hate marketing more than we hate sales. Yeah. And and we hate sales less than we hate fulfillment. Right. No matter what, it's a pain. Right? right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so let's be realistic about it. Yeah. So I, the hardest part of any business, not just in our profession, is marketing. Yeah. Getting people to raise their hand and say, I'd be interested in buying from you. They're not making a commitment to buy from you, but they're saying they're interested in buying from you. That is by far the hardest phase of any business. Yeah. With us, normally the typical accountant really despises marketing. So 
if you really do, what's going to happen is you're not going to do it at all. Mm. Right? Because you don't do the things you don't, you'll find excuses not to do it. Even though you have a recipe, you know, document what you're doing, go after associations, go to straight, uh, get part strategic partners. You know what to do intellectually, but you're not going to do it. Yeah. And you're going to find you, excuses. Wouldn't you say that keeps a lot of people in that first pay phase, the solo phase, because they're, they don't have enough clients, enough revenue coming in to advance to the next level. Right. Right. And so at some point you've got to make a decision that you have to do something you don't like in order to finally delegate it. Mm. Right. And, and so delegation is very hard. You're going to make mistakes in who you delegate it to. And that's why you're still very hands-on. In fact, as you go through this stage, you're actually going to work a little bit harder Yeah, because you're really in a way, and I hate using this word, you've got to micromanage that person until they understand how to do it without you. Mm. I don't mean permanent micromanagement. That's a recipe for disaster. Right. But in the beginning, you are micromanaging. Yeah. I, and, I know you and, I have, you and I have talked about this several times. One of my biggest weaknesses is not being able to delegate because I feel like I can do a lot of things better than my better than I think other my, people could do them. But that is something that is going that is just going to hold me back if I continue to have that philosophy. Exactly. And then I'd like to throw a different wrinkle into it. What if they could do it better than you by not yeah. doing what you're telling them to do? Yeah. And that's why it, requ it, it requires a very open mind Yeah, when you hire people because they are not you. Hey there, Adam here from the Escaping the Accountant's Trap podcast. I'd like to personally invite you to a free masterclass that we're conducting this Thursday called How to Start a CFO Service. To register, just go to thecfoproject.com and click free training at the top. See you then. I, I've been pleasantly surpri surprised lately, you know, with, with things that I've delegated to other people that actually have gotten done better than I would have done it myself. I actually read that uh, somewhere last week that you should tell, ask somebody to tell somebody what to do, but just not how to do it. And then just be, you know, uh, uh, be surprised by the results. You'll be surprised by the positive results because they are figuring out ways to do it that you may not have thought of. If you hired the right person. If, yes, if you, <laughs> that's important. And that's actually my next question. So we're right now in the second stage, the, the growing stage, and you're suggesting everybody document their procedures so that you could find people. How do you find somebody that is competent enough to follow the SOPs that you've written out? I mean, how, if you're tight on cash flow, what are some strategies? What are things that you've done to hire people that when you may not be 100% ready to hire somebody? Um, well, number one, like any growth, you need to have cash to get through the next stage. So if you're just living hand to mouth, you will never grow. Mm. You just can't. So for every level, let's say you hire a marketing director. And it's going to take them really three to six months before you see results. Yeah. 
That means that you have, a, have to have at least enough cash to carry that person for three to six months. If you don't, you will fail. Cash is the answer to everything. We all know yeah. that. Yeah. But the right amount of cash is equally important. Yeah. And knowing the risk you're taking, the benefit you're going for, and how to mitigate that risk. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we're fans of advisory services, because if you're in the solo phase, if you can start offering advisory services, you can generate way more cash flow fairly quickly so that you can advance to the, to the next stage, the growing stage. Which gets me to a good point about accountants. We forget how long it took us to learn what we know. And we yeah. usually give our answers for free. Mm. Why is that? It, it, it's just the nature of it. We discount what we know. And we don't realize that what we know is rocket science to our clients. Yeah. L let, let me give you an example. How many people out there think we accountants are mathematicians? <laughs> A lot. Right. And what do we really know? Third grade math, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. <laughs> right. What right. we do that they don't understand is we're good at comparing numbers to trends, to where mm. uh, goals, to things of that nature. That's what we're good at, looking at two numbers and pointing our thumbs up or down. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, if you really want to summarize what we accountants do, it's pointing our thumbs. Mm. So- we, we take it for granted, like, like, let's say you're asked a tax question and you know immediately which tax code section they're talking about and how to deal with it. So you just blurt it out. And the, the, the client doesn't think it has much value because it was so easy for you. Hmm. As opposed to saying, ooh, that's complicated. Let me think it out. Yeah. And actually do think about okay, what are the ramifications of what I'm saying? And when you realize that we're giving away a lot of our experience, hard-earned experience for free, that will change your mind on how you deal with your clients. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I look at my, uh, I work for a big eight accounting firm, which dates me. Um, they're big four now. But in the beginning, I've got to say, I was worthless. But as I progressed through the ranks, my value went up and up. But my skill set, it took me a while to realize that it took me a while to learn what I knew. Mm. And so I was giving it away for free. Yeah. I mean, it, and the, to remedy that, you'd think of your, think of your knowledge as a product that you could sell, but you have to sell it. You have to sell your knowledge and package it in a way that, that people want to buy, but they will want to buy it because they want your advice. They want, they want that experience. Right. And that's what we discount in our profession is yeah. our experience and the things we've seen and how long it really takes to be good at this profession. Yeah. Cause I think we all underestimate how much we, we, no, because it, it just comes easy to us. It's easy to us. But but like, think about our perception again. They think we're rocket scientists when it comes to math. But deep down, we know we're not. 
right. which leads a little bit to imposter syndrome too. Yeah. It's easy for us, but it's not easy for them. Yeah. I agree. Okay. So, so step one or phase one is a solo practice. Phase two is the growing practice where you've created SOPs. What's the third phase? Scaling up. Okay. So what's Once the you, difference between the growing phase and the scaling up phase? The growing phase is you're going through the mechanics of delegating, developing the SOPs and um, um, figuring out your niche. You're still active. Mm-hmm. Now, in the scaling up, you're actually going to delegate stuff off your plate completely. Mm. And you may specialize, let's say, in fulfillment, but give marketing and sales to other people completely and let them handle it. Mm. All right? Until we get to growth where you're, where you're actually looking at the management of the company versus having your finger in anything. Mm. So what we're dealing with is your growth to being strategic in your thinking and your, your delegation of the compliance slash um, routine work. So, so if we say, so just to summarize solo phase, you're doing everything Yep. in the, in the second phase, the, the, the um, momentum. Yeah. You're the second phase, you're the growing phase. You're, still doing everything, but you're also trying to take steps to get it off your plate, but you're still pretty much doing everything. But in this third stage, the scaling up stage, you're actually taking pieces of what you used to do. And now you're completely offloading it to somebody else, but you're still doing something. You're still doing either the sales, the marketing or, and, or the fulfillment. Right. And, or business managing the business itself. Right. And so the fourth stage is the, what do you call the fourth stage? The growth stage. The growth where stage. Na- now all you have to do is hire more people and expand the practice. And so pretty much you're out of this sales, marketing, and fulfillment, and you're just managing the practice. Right. And the breakthrough is when you can take long vacations <laughs> and not worry about anything. What percentage of non-large accounting firms, so small and medium-sized accounting firms, what percentage of those do you feel have made it to that final, that fourth growth stage? I think to the growth stage, we see a lot of practices with a lot, you know, let's say 10 to 15, 20 employees or more. Yeah. Okay. But what the, what the owner has done is created a nightmare for themselves in that they're constantly looking at everything. They're worried about every little thing, uh, client satisfaction, but not from a macro level, a management level, but from a practitioner level. And there's a difference. And you want to get to the point as the owner of a really sound practice of running a factory, if you will. Mm. Right? Like you could own a car wash, but you don't have to be the guy taking the tickets. You don't have to be the guy running, maintaining the equipment. You don't have to be the guy to do anything. Yeah. All right. Your job in the final stage is to be strategic. In other words, where am I going? Am I right following the market trends? Am I giving my market what they want? You're thinking at that level now. Product development. Um 
efficiency or, or whatever. But it's more of a macro level where you're running it like a CEO instead of a business owner. Mm. So we went from job to business owner. Now let's go to CEO. That makes sense. That makes sense. So as we wrap up here, what is, what is the one piece of advice you would give somebody who is at the solo level right now thinking, you know, getting to that growth stage just seems, seems very daunting. <laughs> what advice would you give for them right now? It, it's like launching a rocket ship. The hardest part is takeoff. That's where you use the most fuel. Mm. And once the flywheel starts going, if you will, one, it, the further it gets up in altitude, the less fuel it's using, believe it or not. And finally, you, you have a module up there and, and it has very little fuel inside of it. Interesting. Okay. So what you're trying to do is get the flywheel going. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. The, 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 the most, the riskiest part of this whole strategy is right in the beginning, building momentum and letting go. Mm. And that's hard for a lot of people. In fact, they may never do it. Yeah. I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing those four stages. I really appreciate it. Uh, I love being here. <laughs> and to everyone listening or watching, thank you so much for spending the last few minutes with us as we discussed how to escape the accountant's trap. Bye for now.